0: Or this afternoon. Is it afternoon or evening? I don't know. Early Mm -hmm. evening. Mm -hmm. Afternoon. And um, we read it really nicely. That was uh, great. Um, You can always tell when people feel or when people discover that they're loved. Um, Over the years, I have seen a number of people fall in love, Um, and it's always very interesting. Um, And sometimes they don't tell you, and you just observe it, and sometimes they do tell you, but you can still see it. Um, I remember one chap in particular, and um, he he, he just was taller. I mean, he wasn't a particularly tall guy, But um, all of a sudden, love made him taller. He grew, you know, he just was bigger somehow. Um, And when people discover they're loved, it does kind of make a difference, doesn't it? Um, In films, it makes a difference. People sometimes say, you know, what's got into them? And they say, oh, there's someone in their life, you know? Um, In TV series, uh, they do it. But I think in real life, it's true as well. Sometimes you kind of think, What's going on there? And then slowly you realise that there's, there's a new relationship. There's, there's love uh, that has entered into their life. Now I want you to imagine what it would be like if you could enter into a new relationship with the living God. I want you to imagine what it would be like if you were to discover that you were loved by the living God. I think that might make a difference in your life. It might do. And what would that look like? Well, look, here is a phrase that is key for today. It's from Titus chapter 3. And I, I have to confess, I have totally fallen for this little expression. Uh, in verse 4 of Titus chapter 3. I think this is marvellous. I think, you know, um, if I were to die tonight, put this on my tombstone, Okay. Uh, but when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. I think that's something you could, you could write on a piece of paper this week. And every now and again take it out and just have a look at it. And chew on it with your brain. okay? Chew on it with your mind. You know what I mean. Think, think it over. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. And um, here is this new relationship with God being described, when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. Um, you ask most people on the streets of Bordeaux what their impression of God would be, and even some Christians. Um, this week I read an article by someone, and it, 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 it perturbed me really. Um, not because what it said wasn't true, but rather because what it said wasn't it wasn't. There was something awry about it. there something that wasn't quite straight. The article said, of course, God is always looking at our lives, judging us. Now, I'm sure in a, me- in a way that's true. But I kind of think, what impression does that give uh, to you of God? It's kind of like the, the, you know, um, in Britain, there used to be prefects in school, and there would be kind of like some of the pupils were appointed as prefects. And when the teacher left the room, the prefect would be in charge. Well, the prefect was always a nightmare because kids, you know, it's really hard for kids to cope with authority. And uh, you really didn't want to be under the prefect. Um, And when you think that God is always looking at your life, judging you, I'm not saying it's not true, but I am saying that that isn't quite the image of God that this text gives us. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared... You ask anyone in Bordeaux, uh, on the streets of Bordeaux, what their impression of God would be, um, and I think they would very quickly say, well, God is a, is a, a judge, he's, he's a severe judge. He's a, um, a, a cold, Im- impassionate judge. Uh, and that is not at all the impression this text gives us, is it, the kindness, kindness, Uh, Have you ever known anyone who was kind? It's marvellous, isn't it, kindness? Uh, The love. Have you known love? The kindness and love of our Saviour, the the one who comes to rescue us when his kindness and love appeared. So what does this mean then? Uh, The kindness and love of our Saviour appeared and he saved us. We're looking at that this evening, okay? Okay. And we're going to, Paul, what he does here, he talks about the kindness and love of God our Saviour appearing, and how God saved us. And then, he takes that little expression, he saved us, and he, he kind of takes it apart, okay? He breaks it all down, so that you can really know what it means for God, uh, in his kindness and love, to save us, okay? Okay? So if you're in any doubt what it means to be saved this evening, this is, this is the message for you. And if you think you know what it means to be saved, this is still the message for you, because um, what God has done to save us is absolutely enormous. It's much bigger than we imagine, any of us, I think. We really can't, can't grasp what God has done. So here we are then, this is our text, our, our headline text. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared... And what we're looking at is what it means to be saved. And I can put it another way. This is just a little hook for you to think about it in another direction. Do you know at the beginning of Titus, we, we, we laughed a little bit about one of the verses where Paul says, and I need to find it and read it out. Um, we laughed a, a little bit in embarrassment, but apparently it's true. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, verse 12 of chapter 1, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes and lazy gluttons. Okay? And I found someone who was a Cretan by chance this summer and said, is it true? And they said, yes, it's true. My in-laws live on Crete and it's true. Well, okay, here is the question. How do you get a Cretan into the kingdom of God? How do you get someone from Crete into glory? Yeah? How do you get an evil, what is it, an evil glutton, lazy brute, and a liar, or something like that? How do you get someone who's, noah, a liar, an evil brute, brute, and a lazy glutton, how does that person get to glory? I mean, should Titus just pack his bags and go elsewhere? Or is there a possibility that someone can go from being a liar, an evil brute, and a lazy glutton, to being a saint? How do you get them to be a saint? That's the question, okay? So, let's have a look at it. And I've got one, two, three, four, five, five things that we need to know about what it means to be saved. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Five things. And the first thing, why do we need to be saved? Why do we need to be saved? You know, And now and again, um, they send out rescue teams, don't they? They send out helicopters into the mountains. They send out boats into the sea. Uh, They send out aeroplanes to search the rainforests. Why? Because somebody needs to be rescued. Why do they need to be rescued? Um, There was a story about a guy um, who was a a lone yachtsman, a sailor. And he fell and injured himself and he had to dial for help. Somebody had to come and rescue him. Why? Because he couldn't manage his boat anymore. He'd injured himself by falling. So why do we need saving? Why do I need saving? Why is it that Alan Davy needs a saviour? Well, it's because of what we read in verse 3. Look at it. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Do you see it? It's it's not very positive, is it? Uh, And Paul is writing about himself. He's writing to Titus. He says, you know what you and I are like. You know, that's, that's what we're like. Uh, We, too, were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Um, We think that sin is things like this. Oh, you know, that person said something and I really lost my cool. It's sin, isn't it, to lose your cool? You should keep your cool, otherwise it's sin. We think, oh, you know, um, the food was so delicious I ate too much. It's sin, isn't it, to eat too much? It's sin. Or we think, oh, you know, I I so hate my principal, I dissed him. I I said terrible things about my principal because I just hate him. Uh, It's sin, isn't it, to hate your principal and to say terrible things about them or to hate your boss and gossip about your boss. We think sin is like that. Well, sin is much bigger and deeper than that. And I'll give you an illustration before we take it apart with this verse. Um, I had, shortly after we got married... Yeah, shortly after we got married, um, in 1993, I think it was, um, I had spots all over my back. And we woke up one morning and Pat said, oh, what's happened to you? And I had spots all over my back. She said, you've got spots all over your back. I said, have I? Yes, she said. So it happened that I knew one of the local doctors. So I phoned him up. He said, what is it, Alan? I said, I've got spots all over my back. He said, you better come down and see me. Uh, so I went down to see him, and he looked at my back, and sure enough, I had spots all over my back. He said, oh, you got spots all over your back. I said, have I? He said, yes. He said, have you had chickenpox before? I said, I don't know. He said, well, you've got them now. <laughs> uh, I don't know why he put chicken pox in the plural, but he did. So, um, so I had chickenpox. Now, has anyone here ever had chickenpox? If you have, I've got some good news for you. It never goes away it never goes away it hides in your nerves and every now and again when you're low or when you're overtired or when you're a little bit ill the chicken pox comes back but it doesn't come back as chicken pox it comes back as little itchy patches so one day a couple of years ago i had little itchy patches on my back here mirror image i thought this is weird so I thought, well, I'd better go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor. I, I said, I've got little itchy patches on me back. He said, oh, have you? I said, yes. So he had to look at me back. He said, he was a French doctor. He said, uh, c'est So I looked it up. <laughs> Shingles. Oh. It hides in your nerves, you see. And every now and again, it comes out. Now, that is what sin is like. It hides in your heart. And every now and again, it comes out. I mean, it comes out all the time. But it hides in your heart. You can't see sin. You can only see the effects. You can't see shingles. You can only see the ugly patches that it causes. Um, but it lurks, and given the right circumstances, it comes out. Sin is like that. There's something deep in you. And give it the right circumstances, out it comes. Uh, Paul says, he describes it like this We were foolish. What does it mean to be foolish? Well, we all know that being foolish is kind of doing stupid things. But in the Bible, being foolish is particularly ignoring God. Yeah? The foolish person ignores God. Well, uh, uh, who cannot plead guilty to that? We were disobedient. The disobedient person defies God. Again, who can't plead guilty to that? We were deceived. The deceived person doesn't listen to God. They listen to the liars. And again, who among us has not done that? We were enslaved, he says. This is wonderful verses because Paul is very analytical, isn't he? We were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. He says, we couldn't change ourselves. We couldn't do anything about it because we're enslaved. We're not free. We all think we're free. Oh, I I can choose anything. It's not true. We're enslaved, stuck and unable to change. Paul talks about uh, living in malice and envy. Now, most of us manage to control our lives relatively well, you know. We don't often badmouth each other and so on. But I wouldn't like to read your hearts. And I certainly wouldn't like you to read mine. Um, I really wouldn't, you know. Uh, I'm glad you you can't read my mind hated and being hated, uh, sorry, hated and and hating one another. Uh, Broken relationships where, uh, you know, why is it that we can't get on? Why is it that we can't discuss things peacefully and reach an accord? Why is it the politics has to be so complicated? Why do people have to shout at each other in all our political assemblies? Why does sometimes it descend into cups? I think it's done that in Japan, in Canada, in various places. You know, they always put it on the television and we go, "Oh!" But then, you know, are, are our parliaments any better in, in, in the countries we come from? Um, it's conflict, isn't it? Why? Why? Why does it have to be like this? Uh, that is because of sin, yeah? Sin is much, much, much bigger problem and much deeper than you think it is. It's much bigger and deeper problem than I think it is. It's just like shingles, you know? They will, I will have shingles until I die. I really will, because you don't get rid of it. Um, the doctor said, oh, he said, you should always come and see me as soon as you have little itchy patches. Because I can give you antivirals, he said. I said, will I get rid of it, doctor? He said, no. (laughs) It's like that. And sin is like that. It's so deep-rooted that you can't sort it out. I can't train it out. Nothing can happen to, to, to get it out. We need rescuing. We need rescuing. And that's why Paul says, when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. Um, and you remember last week, in, no, two weeks ago, in probably the worst sermon title I've ever done in French, um, I talked about l'influence des manifestations pour la vie quotidienne. And what I was talking about was what the French translation talks as, les deux manifestations. Uh, the two appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes as our Savior, and then He comes again as our Savior. You know, He comes as our Savior to die for us, and He comes as our Savior to raise us and take us to be with Him forever. The appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's an echo of that here. When did the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appear? When Jesus came. That's when it appeared. Uh, we had hints of kindness and love. We sang Psalm 23, didn't we? we talk, which talks about the kindness and love uh, of, of God that follows us all the days of our lives. But when Jesus appears, we see that kindness and love personified. He comes as our saviour. And we know in the second point. Who saves us? God, our saviour. He breaks into the situation. He appears. Um, it's a dramatic word, appears, isn't it? Look who's appeared, we say. Uh, because someone suddenly come into the room. Look who's appeared. Um, and here is, is the Lord Jesus Christ who appears. He breaks into the situation. And he comes to rescue us. Now look at it here. It's, it's the most marvellous verses. I really think, uh, you know, we should always say this. But I really think our verses this week are the most important thing I could say to you. Look at this. It's wonderful. God, our Saviour, he says. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit who he poured on, out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And you can see here, don't ever think that Jesus in some way, is he who loves you and he comes to save you a kind of from the Father because the Father doesn't really love you. You know, the Father is a bit cross with you really and, and doesn't want anything to do with you. But because Jesus comes, therefore you can kind of hide behind Jesus and, and sneak in into the Father's presence. It's not like that at all. God in his kindness and love he loves us, and so he sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. sends his only son, and the only son, he loves us, and so he comes, and he dies for us. And then because he loves us so much, and the Holy Spirit loves us, he sends the Holy Spirit, pours out on us generously, and the Holy Spirit comes, and look at what he does. Um, no, I'm not going to talk about that yet. But he comes, and he, he applies salvation to us. So God our Saviour, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit breaks into our situation. The wholeness, if I can say that, of, 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 of God. You know, um, Father, Son and Spirit coming to rescue us. Uh, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? Um, I've never had to, had to be rescued. Well, except when cars break down. It doesn't really count, does it? Um, <laughs> it's always nice when the AA man appears though or when the breakdown van comes to tow you home. Um, but imagine if you had, if you are in a very difficult situation say you were stuck at the bottom of a cliff and the, and the tide is coming in yeah? and someone needs to come and rescue you or you drown you can't climb the cliff, what can you do? and a team of people appears, there's one in the helicopter, there's someone else on the end of a winch and there's someone else lowering and making sure everything works and you think oh I've got a team, a team of people has come to rescue me well, in a way, that's a really bad illustration, but in a way, it's a bit like that because the whole of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is united to come and rescue us, to rescue you. The most wonderful thing, God our Saviour. Why does He do it? Well, in His kindness and love. In His kindness and love. And I simply want to ask you, is that how you think of God? Because the person who's saved realizes how kind God is, his kindness and his love. You know, God in his kindness, he he gives us so many good things, doesn't he? He's put us in Bordeaux, you know, even if we're only in Bordeaux for for a couple of days or for a week, it's still pretty good, isn't it? And some of us, we get to live here. You know, what a wonderful thing, how kind God has been to put us in Bordeaux and not in some awful place, you know, like, um, you know, uh, some terrible place elsewhere. Um, (laughs) I can't think of a terrible place but most places are okay but imagine living in the Antarctic you know scientists who live in the Antarctic all the time can you imagine that Um, how kind God has been in giving us this awesome place to live and all the different things that he gives us every day taste and see says the Bible the Lord is good he's good when we taste and see that the Lord is good it's not just He's morally perfect. It's that he's good. You know? Uh, is the cake good? Taste and see. Is the soup good? Taste it and see. Is the coffee good? Taste it and see. Is the Lord good? Taste and see. He's good. He's good. When he's in your life, it's good. Yeah? Just think of this, how people love to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people brought their children. To crowd around Jesus. And you just imagine, uh, here he is, sat down to teach because they sat down to teach in those days. And uh, mothers bring their children, and the children are climbing all over him. And the disciples think, God, have this, you know? Our children near the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our rabbi, he's our leader, he's our teacher. We, don't, we, we can't, can't let this happen. And the kids, they just want to be near him. Why? Because he's good. He's good. And It's good for us to be near to God. It's good. He's good. How? Well, look. Um, the, how does God save us? Well, he saves us by the Holy Spirit's action in our lives. You see, what connects the cross with me? I mean, Jesus' cross was 2,000 years ago. How on earth does that connect with me? Well, here's one of the ways. It connects in different ways, but here's one of the ways. One of the ways is that God the Holy Spirit comes now. Now, this moment in my life, and He invades my life. The way Paul puts it, it's, it's not quite as kind of aggressive and as um, intrusive as that, but, it, but it, the effect is the same. Look at what Paul says. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us generously. Yeah? Uh, He poured out on us generously. So God, the Holy Spirit, is poured out on me generously. And what does he do? Well, look, um, back in verse 5. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit poured out on us generously. He washes us. What, What happens when you get washed? Anyone know what, why, why we get washed? Because we're, we're dirty. And what happens when we do get washed? Clean, clean. Yeah, we get clean. Part of the answer, isn't it? The Holy Spirit washes us and cleanses us. Not because there's, you know. <laughs> it's not that. It's that he washes our hearts. He begins to cleanse our hearts from sin. Cleanses us, makes us clean. There's another expression here Uh, the washing of rebirth. Rebirth. We all think babies are innocent, don't we? Um, They're probably not as innocent as we think, really, because as soon as they can move, we discover that they express themselves in ways that are not quite so innocent. But they do look innocent. Well, here is the Holy Spirit. He gives us rebirth. We get a new start. Uh, uh, We we become holy persons by his work in our lives. New birth, uh, um, a new start. And then another word here. The washing of rebirth and renewal. Renewal. He comes and he makes us new. Um, I think when Paul writes this, and I can't prove this, and none of of the books I've looked at kind of go in this direction, but um, renewal is something we need all the time. Uh, in in a sense, you know, we need God to come because I get dirty again, you know, and so I can't be reborn again because you can't be born over and over again, but you can be renewed again, and so the Holy Spirit is present in our lives, he's not just poured out on us and then taken away, he's present in our lives, and he's at work in our hearts, connecting the cross to us, yeah? Bringing to life in us, the life of Jesus Christ, He's, he's Changing us radically. Uh, Right deep down where sin is. uh, He penetrates. Can you imagine that? Just think about that for the moment. The kindness and love of God the Holy Spirit. In coming to work and dwell in your heart. I kind of think sometimes. I'm glad people can't read my mind. I'm glad people don't know what's going on in my heart. But he can. And he comes and dwells in us. To change and transform us. Um, to put us where? To put us where? And this is a funny one, but this is the fourth one. Okay, So we add, why do we need to be saved? Because of sin. Who saves us? God our Saviour. Why does he save us in his kindness and love? How? By the Holy Spirit poured out on us generous, generously. Now then, to put us where? Uh, we talked about being saved by lifeboats or by helicopters. And um, I've never been saved by a helicopter, and I've never been in a helicopter. Um, But I'm I'm not all that fond of helicopters, you know? Aeroplanes, if the engines fail, they can glide. Uh, Hot air balloons, if the balloon burns. (laughs) (laughs) Helicopters, if the engine fails. I've never been in a helicopter and uh, you know I'd, I'd really like to know that the helicopter was in very good condition before I got in it because if that engine fails then I think some helicopters lower gently I kind of hope <laughs> I don't know um, where does God place us when we're saved what does he do well look we've got this word uh, justified it's there in verse 7 So that having been justified. Now the tense is important. It's something that happened. Having been justified. He's not saying we're going to be justified again and again and again. This isn't continuous. This is something that happened. What does it mean? It means that I'm clothed in the perfection of Jesus. Jesus clothes me in his perfect life. And he takes my rotten old life. And he uh, bears the, the, the penalty and the guilt of my my sin uh, on, on the cross. Me in, my, in his perfection, he in my filth. Yeah? He dresses himself in my filth, and bears the wrath of God for that. And he clothes me in his perfection. Where else? Uh, look at it. Having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Hang on, you think? What do you mean heirs? Having the hope of eternal heirs of who? Well, not heirs of Paul, not heirs of Titus, not heirs of me. Wouldn't do you a lot of good. Um, Heirs of God. We become heirs of God. We become his inheritors. Having the hope of eternal life. Um, And so uh, God gives us this great and glorious hope. Uh, In old novels, people live with hope, don't they? They have great hopes, you know, because I have a great inheritance coming to me one day. Well, here is our hope, and it's a massive hope because it's eternal life, a hope we don't deserve given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a sign of uh, these things um, because everything we've talked about is things you can't see, isn't it? You can't really see if anyone's been washed by the Holy Spirit. You can't really see if anyone's been justified. It's not visible. Uh, you, can't, you, you can see the effects of sin, but you can't see sin in someone's heart, and you can't see if they've been cleansed. Um, you can't see these things. But there are things you can see. Um, look at verse 8 down to verse 11. Here's the first sign. Verse 8. Uh, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and (coughs) profitable for everyone, okay? Those who have trusted in God, the first sign that God has rescued you is that you trust him, yeah? You trust him. You trust him with your life, you trust him with with your future, you trust him with today, you trust him with tomorrow, you do what he says, you listen to him, you think, yes, I trust him. God's opinion is right, I vote for God and God in my life will have that place, I will trust him. I will trust him. I'll trust his word. I'll trust what he says. I'll trust what he tells me to do. I will trust him. I trust in God. And that is the first sign that someone has been saved. All of a sudden they trust God. You ask the people in the streets of Bordeaux, do you trust God? Thought has never entered their head. Most people, they say, you must be mad. Why would I trust God? Why would I even think of trusting God? You know, what has God got to do with me, they would think. Well, when you're saved, all of a sudden you think, I know what God has got to do with me in his kindness and love. He saved me. Why would I not trust him? Why would I not trust him? I can trust him with everything. I can trust him with my checkbook. You know, I can trust him with everything. Second sign, verse 9 to 11. Look at this. Um, Paul talked about, uh, one of the effects of sin being living in malice and envy being hated and hating one another but look at verse 9 down to verse 11 now all of a sudden there's a change of attitude verse 9 to 11 but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because, because these are unprofitable and useless warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time after that have nothing to do with them why? why? Because God hasn't been at work in them. If, if he was, they wouldn't be like that. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful, they're self-condemned. See, before, we were foolish. We were filled with envy and hatred. And we didn't want to unite. We wanted to divide. We loved controversies. We loved fruitless quarrels. You know, we loved nothing more than, to, you know, let's have a heated debate. Let's get warm it up a bit. And now, no, we want to unite God's people and build them up. We We see the point of uniting um, all those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to do that. That's what we want. Our dream is to see uh, the whole world filled with people glorifying God. Living at one. You know? Uh, What a wonderful world it will be when that happens. And so uh, divisiveness, that belongs to the old world. You know, that's, that's that sinful world. And we leave that behind because we want to unite Uh, in Jesus Christ Uh, another sign verse 1 and 2 so first sign trust each other uh, trust God sorry second sign we we want to build and not destroy and then verse 1 and 2 look remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good to slander no one to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle towards everyone. I want to remind you, don't slander anyone. You kind of think, does it have to be said? Well, it does, doesn't it? It does. Dare I say the words, fake news, Um, Mm -hmm. you know? um, We say what what we want, don't we, in this world? We just say whatever we want. And Paul says, this is not the way that people behave when they're renewed by God's Holy Spirit, yeah? people who love the living God and know they're loved by him, they love the truth too, they just love the truth Uh, they don't always know what it is in this world it can be very hard to know what's true Uh, but they won't slander and they they want to obey authorities and and they want to, uh, they're ready to do what is good and so there's these different signs that we've known the love of God in our lives and in our hearts okay And that's where it leads me to talk to you. And I'm talking to you individually, okay? Um, And I want to... How am I going to put this? I want to give you a dare this evening. I want to dare you to consider the possibility that you are not really a Christian at all. I don't think it's such a bad thing to every now and again think, well... Am I really a Christian? Do I really belong to Jesus Christ? Do I really know God? And do I really know his work in my life? I don't think it's a bad thing to ask yourself those questions. Uh, And I think it's a very good thing for for me to ask myself that question, right? Uh, And here are some, some guidelines for you to think about. Firstly, how do you think of your sin? Do you realize how big your problem is? Or do you think, oh, you know what? Have you got any idea what a mess you're in if you're not in Jesus Christ? How do you think about sin? Second question, how do you think about God? How do you think about Him? What is your opinion of God? Are you one of these people who says, oh, you know, taste and see how good God is, the kindness and love of God. Is that where you are? Or are you not really there at all? That's not how you think about God. How do you think about salvation? For you, is it like, it's like, oh, I, uh, this, this amazing rescue. You know, biggest rescue you could imagine. It's, it's not a helicopter, it's not a, um, a lifeboat, it's God Himself coming into this world, the Father sending the Son, the Son pouring out the Spirit, so that you might be rescued. Is that how you think about salvation? What it means to be saved? How do you think about God's people? Is your dream to see God's people built up? You know, if only, if only Bordeaux was united in loving the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, is it possible that a city could be perfect? I mean, imagine if Bordeaux was filled with the praises of Jesus. What else would it take? Possibly good fish and chips. I don't know. Um, a nice pie would be nice. Um, now and Again. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it would take to make Bordeaux perfect, but I tell you, if Bordeaux was united in loving and praising the Lord Jesus Christ, it'd be almost there, wouldn't it? It really would. I don't know how far you could go further. Um, how do I think about my life? Can I trust my life? Have I trusted my life into the hands of the living God? Can I do that? Have I done that? Is that what I do? Do I trust? Do I take every decision in the light of what God says to me? Is that what I am? Uh, And and I invite you, consider these questions. And I tell you why. Because there is nothing more important for you and I this evening than to know that we belong to Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important. There's nothing better that anyone could wish for you than to know that you belong to Jesus Christ. And there's nothing worse than being outside him. Because to be outside him, is, it's catastrophic, you know? To, be, to, to not belong to Jesus is just the worst. You think there are bad things in this world, I tell you, that are worse. The worst thing is not to belong to Jesus. But you belong to Jesus and nothing better than anyone could wish for you. Okay, how do I respond? Well, we need We need this kind and loving Father, this self-sacrificial Christ who comes to save us, this powerful renewal from the Holy Spirit who comes and works in our heart, you know, where no one else can help us. In short, fin bref, we need a saviour. That's what we need, isn't it? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these verses. We thank you for what Paul wrote. We thank you for the way that he so carefully and analytically uh, show to us what it means to belong to you and please heavenly father this evening write these things deep in, in our hearts chisel them in make them stay there somehow we pray don't let us forget them don't let the birds come and take them away don't let weeds grow around them let them stay in our hearts so that they can have their effect and uh, they can bring us to you. Please, we pray. Uh, we want everyone here, met here this evening, to one day be met at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to look at one another and shout for joy. And so we pray that you would be at work in our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing, um, and Silva is going to tell us what we're going to sing. Loved with every love. Close. Loved with everlasting love. Uh, so we will stand for this one. Uh, and I'll read the first verse, okay? Because it does go very well with the text that we had. Loved with everlasting love, led by grace that love to know, gracious spirit from above, you have taught me it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this rapture all divine, in a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. Yeah, you give us the first note tomorrow. we'll hear that.